Well, good morning, church. Uh, happy 4th of July. I'm Scott Weatherford, and I'm excited to talk to you today, perhaps about one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 37. But before we get there, we're celebrating freedom this weekend. And in America, as Americans, we celebrate freedom probably unlike any other country. Now, I know that every other country has the 4th of July because the 4th of July is the 4th of July. But do they have a celebration like we experience on the 4th of July? You see, America is not great because of her resources or great because of her natural beauty nor her place in history. America is great because of Americans. This one nation, indivisible, under God, with liberty and justice for all, has been the rebirth of freedom the rebirth of who we're supposed to be under God's blessings. Now, America will be great again when we choose to live all for Jesus. But today I want to talk to you about biblical freedom. You know, the freedom was bought for us by the blood of the patriots, but more so freedom was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as we desire to live all for Jesus, whatever it takes, we have to turn our focus to Him. Psalm 37 is perhaps my favorite psalm because it talks about freedom and how Christ is giving us freedom. So we're going to take a look at that. But there's a story I want to tell you before we get into that psalm, and I think this will bear true throughout this whole talk. There was a vendor who was selling little birds on the edge of a great canyon. A little girl approached uh, the vendor and wanted to buy a bird, thinking that she was going to get a pet. She wanted to take this little bird home in a cage and have a little pet bird. And the vendor goes, no, 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 no. These birds aren't for you to have a pet. You buy these birds in order to release the birds. Now, of course, I'm thinking of a business model. What better business model than to capture birds, sell the birds, then recapture the birds to sell the birds? And well, anyway, that's just a business model. But this little girl asked for, and finally, she, she just couldn't quite understand it. She said, no, you Buy the bird for me, then you go to the edge of the cliff and you open the cage and the little bird will fly to freedom and you could set the little bird free. So she did. She paid her money and she got her little bird in the cage and she went to the edge of the cliff and she opened the, the, the cage and the bird was reluctant at first. A little tap, got the little birdie hopping out to the edge and finally the bird took off and flew and just soared through the canyon. And then the bird made a big looping swing back around to the little girl and almost paused in front of her as to say, thank you so much for setting me free, and then took off into the distance. You know, freedom is analogous to this story because we have been bought with a price by the blood of Jesus in order that we might be set free, that we might be liberated from our cage of tyranny, our sin, our depravity. And America is the birth of a nation with the intent to set people free, free to pursue life, free free to pursue not a state religion that's forced on us, but an individual decision that transforms us. Free to experience the happiness and the fulfillment of the American dream ordained by the hand of God. So today we're going to look at Psalm 37 and see that if the Son has set you free, Jesus Christ, you are free indeed. So let's go on this adventure together. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for what you want to say to us this morning, and I pray that you will speak through me that will not be about what I think or what I know, but what you think and what you know that will bring transformation to, uh, to the folks that listen. And I thank you for them, and I pray that you speak now because we need to hear from you. And we pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. You'll kind of notice that today we have a different venue. We're sitting out on the back porch and wanted to kind of you know, enjoy the summertime in Texas. And unfortunately, it's not too terribly hot today, which is 
a real miracle of God. But let's look at Psalm 37. Now, what we're going to do, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm going to give you chunks of it where you could kind of look at the different aspects through this whole psalm. Now, as we do that, I want to encourage you to read the psalm in entirety and to see what God is saying to you as you read his word. Now, here's a little tip for you as you read scripture, that as you read scripture, look for the things that jump out at you, the the thoughts or the, or the phrases or the statements that really kind of spur something in your thought and your memory. That's usually how the Holy Spirit speaks to you through scripture is through the jumps out. Now, here's the things that jumped out at me. Here's the first thing I thought. Freedom because God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Now, one of Satan's favorite tools is to get us to doubt God's trustworthiness, that he wants us to think that, well, you know, God's, you could, everybody else could trust God, but for you, he's out to get you, or you're a loser, and, and he likes to, to do that, to, to make sure that God's not trustworthy. But listen what this psalmist says about the trustworthiness of God. Let me read. This is in verse 1, actually verse 1 through 7. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Don't be anxious for wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your ways to him. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Then fret not yourselves. Again, fret not over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Now, as I look at this, and I think this, and this is something that's really been interesting in this season of pandemic, we have been fretting. We have been fretting, 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 fretting over uh, you know, how this political group says do this, and this political group does that, and your level of fret depends on the news media you listen to or the things that are coming out and fret. Now, the Hebrew word here for fret really means to burn. It means to burn. Don't burn about evildoers or fret over them, but delight yourself in God. Now, fretting to burn is that God says this, we shouldn't fret. We need to let him worry about things. We need to let him worry about evildoers. We need to let him worry about uh, circumstances and situations. We need to let, to let God be the one who's concerned and not us. We stop fretting. Now, I want to say this to you in this season of worry, and we're wringing our hands. The Bible says in a lot of places, don't worry. Uh, be anxious for nothing. Quit wringing your hands. Let God solve this. Now, over evildoers, we look at evildoers, and there's a lot of those in the world today. We're hearing a lot about those in the world today. Do you know evildoers have a shelf life? In fact, this passage says we're all like grass that wither and like the green herb that fades. And he's saying in particular the evildoers are like that, that they fade away quickly. Don't fret. What is the antidote to fretting? Trust. Trust God. Trust in him. He is trustworthy. You show your trust in God by not fretting, by not fretting or causing other people to fret. And to exacerbate their fretting. Now, some of y'all, you know this, you have people in your life that are worry warts, and they just get you stirred up because they're fretting, they're complaining, and they're whining. And then you say, Well, I don't know anybody like that. It's probably you. And you need to address the fact that God says, Don't fret. Let's be people of peace and calm and trust and hope. So the antidote to fretting is to trust in God. Then he says this in this psalm Dwell. 
dwell with God. That means take up residency in his security and his permanency, that I'm going to dwell with him. Now, the word dwell in Hebrew literally means this, to make it a permanent abode. It's not like a journey, like you're journeying through something or a temporary stay, but to dwell with God in a permanency of abode. Now, you think about this. This is written you know, as a promised land, and, and I'll talk more about this in a second because King David wrote this, and King David probably wrote this uh, as an old man, and you'll see evidence in just a second. So he's literally giving us sage advice. He says, dwell with God. Now, remember, is this this old man giving... Well, actually, let me just kind of unpack this for you. David is talking to Solomon, his son, and he's giving him kingly advice from one king to another. And he's saying, hey, Solomon, don't fret about evildoers. Dwell with the Lord. Trust in him. And he's giving that sage advice to us. Then he says to delight in the Lord. Commit your ways to God. Delight in him. That means to be brought up in luxury. That's literally what delight does. Now, Solomon was... You know, he's a child of the king, so he's brought up in luxury. But get this, you're a child of the king, and we're dwelling in the luxury of having God be for us. Now, I want to say something to you. It's going to be up on the screen so we can maybe soak into your soul for a second. This, we often desire the blessings of God and ignore the God who blesses. Huh. We seek the hand of favor from God and not his face in order to worship him. That in this passage, he's saying, delight yourself in God, not in what God can do for you, but what God wants you to become as you become like Jesus. We want his favor, but do we want to worship him? We want his blessing, but we forget the blessor. And and as I talked about that, and as I thought about that and wrote that down then, then I realized that I'm guilty of that. I want God to bless me, but do I want to live in his presence and his trust and not fret? I just prefer the blessing instead of the living the blessed life, and the blessed life is living all for the one who's blessed me, and that's King Jesus. And that's what David is saying to Solomon. He's saying to you today, and it's what the Lord's saying to us today. Trust God. Commit. Commit means to allow your burdens to be rolled off. It's literally what it means in the Hebrew here. It's not your responsibility to prove God. It's God's responsibility to, for you to be wooed to Him and transformed by His righteousness. Your righteousness that cannot be proven by your self-righteousness. Your righteousness only comes from God imputing His righteousness upon you. Oh, so as I stop fretting, I start dwelling, I start delighting, living in luxury. I start looking for the face of the blessor instead of just the blessing. Then I commit my way to him. My burdens roll off of me to show my self-righteousness, to display the righteousness that God has given me. And then my life becomes a blessing to other people. And then my self-righteousness is rooted in my self-edification. And my commitment to God results in his righteousness being on display of my life. Jesus said this way, Let your light so shine before men that they may see, see your good works and glorify your Father as in heaven. Then the last thing he says in this is to rest. Be still. Stop fretting. Quit worrying about the evildoer. Quit worrying about what CNN says or what Fox News says or what MSNBC says or what every other publication, the New York Times, Washington Post, 
whatever tweet that's coming out, stop fretting and start trusting and start believing and start living in freedom. It's pretty good stuff. But there's more. <laughs> I sound like a salesman now, right? Freedom because God knows your situation. Not only do we stop fretting, God knows. All of this, he, it's not caught him up off guard. I'll quote my friend uh, from Canada, Heather Petty, again. She might be watching. She, I would say something. She says, yeah, God knows. God knows. And she's saying it in all the confidence that God is knowledgeable. God knows what's going on. Let me read for you here. This is verses 18 through 19 and then 20 through 24. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. Now, who are the ones who are blameless? It's the ones who trusted in Jesus. They are now blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they will have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pasture. They, they fade, they vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrow and does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. Hmm. For those who are blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those who are cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of the man are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he will not be cast headlong. The Lord upholds his hand. Now, that's some pretty amazing promises there. He's saying that because God can be trusted, that I'm going to go back and not fret anymore. I'm going to stop that. Stop all that fretting, that whoa, 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 fretting. I'm going to stop that. That I know that God is going to see me through, to see me through. That whoever's attacking me is going to fail because God is going to see me through. His desire is for me to trust him in all the situations of my life. Now remember this. This is an old man giving a young man advice. This is King David talking to Solomon and King David talking to us. That God holds us, he provides for us, and he establishes us. God holds you, he provides for you, and he establishes you. Now God uses people to do just that. He, he holds us that God holds us in community and in the gathering of, of being a community. But then he provides for us. And let me tell you how he does that. It starting, uh, actually starting this, this last week, we started providing food for people. Our, our community impact team, under the direction of Scott Tidwell and his team of volunteers, we're feeding people all over the Wimberley Valley. Why we're doing that? Because God is using us to be the provider. That's how God uses things. He provides for people. That when you give here to this ministry, you're providing for people. Not only the gospel message, it goes out very effectively over this, this webcast, but also very effectively through hands-on deliverables in the Wimberley Valley. That's why we give, so the guy can use us as a conduit to provide. But he also, this is very interesting, he establishes us. It says here, here your heritage the wicked, they vanish, but the heritage of the Lord remains. That I can pass the blessing of living all for Jesus to the thousandth generation because there's freedom that God knows of my situation. Even when I'm ambiguous or conflicted or confused, God knows me and he has me. It's great truth. Here's the next thought. Freedom because of confidence. Confidence. People have accused me of being arrogant. Imagine that. But you know, really, I want to be confident, not arrogant. Confidence is placing my trust in something greater than me. Arrogance is self-inflating. Confidence is being submissive to God. 
This is what David said to Solomon, and he says to us, I have been young, and now I'm old. I've yet, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generosity, and his children become a blessing. Ooh. I've been old. I've been young, now I'm old. I can relate to that. And I've never seen God fail. Even in the times of my life where I thought he was, he wasn't. He comes through. He comes through. He comes through. He comes through. I got word today about a precious lady in our church family who went to be with the Lord today. God came through for her. I saw her on Sunday afternoon last and and, um, last week, and all she talked about was heaven. All she talked about was the glory of God. Maybe she was seeing heaven. I don't know. But I do know this, that God came through for her, and she's ultimately healed, and the promises of God are true, and she's living in the reality, more alive than she's ever been, and the fact that God is the one who blesses. Now, listen to this. His children have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children beg for bread. He is ever lending generously. Okay, he, who, who is the he? Is it the Lord? Yes. He is ever lending generously. But it's also you and me as we live all for Jesus. We become generous. And his children become a blessing. Because we're generous, children become a blessing. Because they in turn become generous. And they in turn become generous. And they in turn become generous. You see, life is not about what we can hoard. Life is what we can live out. Life is not accumulation of things. It's giving our life away to the great cause, and that is for King Jesus. Confidence comes from the Lord. Now, let me give you some confident facts of God. He's not going to forsake you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's always going to provide for you. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory, Paul said to the church in Philippi. And because of this, you can live a generous life and your children will be blessed and continue to be a blessing because you have chosen to delight yourself in the Lord and dwell in His presence. That's pretty, pretty powerful. I can't think of a better thing to give to give my children than the blessing of God or to give my grandchildren than the blessing of God. God is amazing and He works. Then I have freedom to really live. Verse 39. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Here's their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in He. Him. Salvation comes from God through Jesus Christ. I can't get it on my own. He comes from God through Jesus Christ. So He saves me. He makes me righteous because of Him. Deliverance comes from God. The hand of deliverance is not found in my own ability. It's found in God's ability. And I can trust in Him. I can delight in Him. I can dwell in Him. And then finally, I choose to dwell in Him, as it said in the beginning, and to take refuge in Him. That I can live in the shadow of His wing, in the crook of His arm, in the palm of His hand. I can live all for Jesus in His abiding presence with me. And that's not just some kind of preacher palitudes. That's the absolute truth of the confidence that comes from God. I've been old, I've been young, now I'm old, and I've seen God be faithful over this time. So you got a choice in freedom. We can live like a bird in a cage, or we could be set free. 
You know, I was in bondage until Christ bought me, and he bought me in order to free me. He didn't want to keep me as a pet in some kind of Christian bubble. He wanted to release me to live all for him in a wicked world, not fretting, but trusting, trusting him to provide, trusting him to be my dwelling, trusting him to be my life, trusting him to give me his righteousness. I can live that way. So he lifted the cage of my slavery to sin and set me free to live all for him. So I'm free from fretting. I'm free from worry. I'm free from missing out. I'm free from failure. I'm free from sin. I'm free from this being sinned against. And I'm free from so much more. You see, I've been young and now I'm old. And I've yet not seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed, or God's children, begging for bread. Jesus said it this way. So if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. I want you to listen to this, this song, and I'm going to come back and close this gap. Have you been set free by Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life when you prayed and said, Jesus, I'm yours? If not, why not right now? Why not take this step of faith and trust in Christ? Why not give your life to him today? And maybe you have done that in the past and you're still living in bondage. Why don't you get out of the cage? Maybe that little, like that little bird, the door was open, but you're hanging back. Maybe the little thump of the master's hand gets you out on the edge and free to really live all for Jesus. What's holding you back? Maybe you're fretting. Maybe you're worrying. It's time to let that go and delight yourself with the Lord, and he'll give you the, your desires of your heart. Trust also in him, and he will do it. Isn't it time to live in freedom? Maybe we can be people not of fret, but of hope. Instead of wringing our hands and worrying about a pandemic, maybe we can lift our hands and praise God that he's in charge even when things are in pandemonium. We can trust in this one who set us free.